And we are live. What's up, Andrew? Hey, Roy. Hello, interweb friends out <laughs> What's there. What's up, everybody? As always, Roy here, and you are listening to the Balanced Mail podcast series. <coughs> Ooh. Started with a cough there, Andrew. <laughs> Maybe that's appropriate. It is appropriate. Um, today's episode is the continuation of Andrew and I's deep dive into male initiations, manhood, all that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, we are um, We're going to be talking about continuing our discussion of the book discussion of what it's brought on our hearts what we're seeing observing all that stuff and then we're going to kind of go through um actually last two truths of male initiation um i don't think this will be the last episode on it there's a couple more things Mm -hmm. in the book that i i want to go into but uh yeah yeah i'm envisioning a final episode in some kind of a bar with <laughs> people live and the episode being recorded i just feel like it's gonna happen hey we'll figure it out campfire something yeah um and the truce that we're going to be sort of talking about and as always i should probably continue uh to refresh everybody on the there were there were five truths of male initiation uh it was life is hard um, why do why are they blanking now? That's funny. The book is right here. Should I grab it? I know it's just so far away. Um. All right. Yeah. You are not important. Mm-hmm. Was truth number two. Your life is not about you. Mm-hmm. And then today, or tonight, actually, we are going to be talking about the last two. You are not in control, and <laughs> you're gonna die. Yes. And this book just a re re reference. Richard Rohr, who's uh-huh. a Franciscan father in yeah. Mexico, who's in the last stages of his life. He's his cancer has returned, and uh, but the book's called Adam's Return: Five Promises of Male Initiation. Yep, and um, yeah, a little little second there to think about that. It's kind of I don't know. It's sad that that that's that that's where we're at with him. Yeah, yeah. Sure, your mic's on. I'm on. Yes. All right. Cool. You know. Yeah. Sorry, we were we were we were we heard a buzzing sound and and it's been it's nagging me now. So yeah, <laughs> I'm paranoid about that. It's the uninitiated part of our manhood that <laughs> you're hearing. It's coming through. That's um, pretty loud. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's kind of interesting. I. I feel like. These two truths are so... I mean, all of them are connected, but these two are so connected to me because knowing that you're going to die also tells you that you're not in control of anything. And that you're not important. Yeah. Not that important. And that, uh, yeah, life is not about you. Yeah, yeah, they all link together, but you're right. They do seem to play well off each other. Yeah, it's like... Death is like the loss of control. mm -hmm. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Right? Which is like, I mean, I mean, that's, that's our, it's, it's almost like our entire lives are about conquering it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, 
Yeah, I, I would say maybe now more than ever mm -hmm. in our modern world, it's, you know, just a random thought, Roy, like, just kind of go somewhere just off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Late stage empires, which is someone very much argue that's where we are uh -huh. in the modern world. Yeah. And the struggle with the acceptance of death go hand in hand. So, so the person, the mac the micro is the macro. The whole mm -hmm. empire is struggling with the reality that it's late stage and it can't go on like this. As are each and in most individuals in it. Yeah, I mean, it's like anything with a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. Right before everything shifts is all the chaos mm -hmm. and all the like fighting for that control to not shift the paradigm. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that that's what it is to be a male right now mm -hmm. in this world of uninitiated um, sort of uh, kind of immature stage mm -hmm. uh, leaders and, uh, uh, you know, lack of eldership, lack of mentorship, mm -hmm. just a, a leadership vacuum, which is a term mm -hmm. I've heard about where we are right now. Not to say they're not out there, but to say that we're we're looking in the wrong places for those. Yeah, yeah. I think right now, I mean, we're we're really trying to figure out. There's there's so much pushback. Yeah, you know, for us as, and I think warranted, warranted mm -hmm. pushback in some ways. Um, but it's like, what does it mean? What does it mean to be, to be a male? What is its role? Is it changing? Yeah. Is there a need for it? I mean, I, that's what I'm seeing all of these conversations, you know, these last few years of mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. well, what it's been is not what we want anymore. I think that's what society's saying. Mm -hmm. And what you were saying, like lack of eldership, it, to me, what I'm observing is the people above us are our are, are elders. In a lot of ways, we're just doing what their elders did, right? I mean, that's what we're always doing. We're doing, most of us are do, doing what w was done to us or was shown to us, right? And it's led us to where we are, you know, lack of, you know, I think, I think it's okay to say that there's a lot of there's a lot of negativity. I don't mm. like going to good or bad. I don't mm. like I don't like those discussions, but maybe not healthy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, there's a void there of mm -hmm. of a path towards wholeness mm -hmm. and health and uh Yeah, I, I think about um the conversations I'm having in my profession as I'm kind of in uh a place of trying to figure out how to move forward in Christian ministry, which is what I've decided to give my professional life to, while at this time of incredible uh, lack of identity of what it means to be in ministry, to be a church, to be a Christian, because we've lost the way of, of enlightenment, of the way of wholeness. We, we've given that all up for... Uh, like what uh, for orthodox for what you believe mm -hmm. 
and there's no longer a way, there's no longer a path that anyone can really agree upon that that is the way of Jesus. And you know, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of going off track a little bit, but to bring it back around to what you're saying, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really, I think a lot of people are struggling with that. What is it? What is the way? Because everyone is so there's a lot of like independently exploring that whereas before as we've talked about in previous episode it was more of a tribal agreement Mm -hmm. a lot of acceptance and like this is what you do this is the kind of the agreed upon moral structure to to walk upon Mm -hmm. that's all broken down and so we're at this this end of an era and um what we do there and like a lot of first instincts is fear because it feels like the complete collapse of everything Mm -hmm. But that is, I think, short-sighted because beyond that, I really do believe that there is, there's like a lot of hope. And as a male in this situation, we're looking for signs of that. Mm-hmm. It's like an instinct and intuition we have that there's got to be more than what we know and what we can see. And this, the promise of enlightenment is not all that it, it, it says it mm-hmm. promised to be. Yeah. Who can show us what that means? And mm-hmm. I think that's why we feel so so much grief for the soon passing, it seems to be, of Richard Rohr. Because in a lot of ways, he's been a distant... We haven't known him personally, but he's been an, an elder to, a, to you and I. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you mentioned the way. And I think the struggle for me was the way seems so narrow. Like... What it means to be a man is this, and it was specifically these thing, these th- couple of things. You had to be that. Where I didn't want that, and I rejected a lot of that. And I think a lot of people are rejecting it. It's just been so narrow, and there hasn't been someone to be like. There really hasn't been someone to be like. It can be all of these things, you know. And and we we use that term binary comes up a lot. And I think that's that. It's also that dualistic thinking. If you're if you're not, if you're gonna be this, then you have to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of mentality. And we haven't had a lot of elders, besides, bes- you know, besides, yeah, besides like what I've read in in his teach in in these books of just like, you know, male can be all of these things. But we're seeing glimpses of it, which I think is what I'm trying to hold on to. Because a lot of what happens, though, is is like I did this, and I know you did this. We all do this. We look for like, like as we're searching, we're looking for familiarity, or like, you know, like okay, no, that okay, yeah, I see a little bit of what I'm looking for there, or stuff like that. Yeah. Man. Or we're looking for around us. Yeah. You know. But what ends up happening is we're all just having the same conversations, the same questions, but we're not getting any answers. Yeah, you know, I think, I think you're exactly right, dude. Um, I think what's interesting to me is what festers in that, in that um, <clears throat> very difficult space of the reality that we all know so well. You're going to die. You're not in control. Mm-hmm. Not just of that, but of really, like... At a very cosmic level, you are not in control. I am not in control. Like, mm-hmm. we have this illusion that we are, and we spend so much time, money, energy, trying to make 
make it seem like we are make make mm -hmm. ourselves believe that we are i mean well um, let's we could jump right into it because i think with the idea of control i think it's very much a masculine thing to be to have control and to be in control you know a man is the one in control he's steering the ship you know i i think of this image of just like the sea captain and holding on to the to the why can't i think of the name of it you know what i'm talking about the like Moby dick no. no no the thing he holds to steer the ship no, i thought you were referencing a story <laughs> captain phillips why can't i think of the name of that yeah. thing He's yeah, because we're not we're not like the military bread. Yeah, sorry. He's steering the bread. ship, yeah. right? And he's holding on to it, and that is that is you know what I think a lot of us are feeling like that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed yeah. to be in control at all times mm -hmm. and have it right. Um, yeah, especially as fathers. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it, it's something that we have to have a healthy understanding. Yeah. Well, I was gonna share with you a part, a part, and everyone a part of like what what I was kind of getting at. What festers in the reality mm -hmm. between what you know is true and how you the 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 uh, the gap between where you are and getting there mm -hmm. when there's not like a a guide that will lead you or you've you've isolated yourself from that kind of leadership or mentorship or eldership as a guy what you turn to to numb yourself in that reality mm -hmm. and i think you know we see it today like a lot of there's a lot of men in addiction there's a lot of men struggling with um their existence and uh their their, their who they are and their identity yeah. on, on many mm -hmm. levels many levels and I, I think about, like, you know, it's important, I think, to not just talk about that from a, a large swath of people, but, like, personally, like, I, I've i invited some destructive behavior in my life in that void. Mm -hmm. Because because it, ultimately, I didn't know at the time, but o over time, it grew into a way to numb myself from the reality that I'm not in control. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to die. Life isn't about me. And I, I think I knew these things. I think we all do. We know these things at a, a deeper level. Yet, the structures around us that used to guide us through that, they don't, they don't answer those deep longing questions for us. They're, they're, they're not around. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, a lot of us are forced to try to find that way on our own. And I, I don't think it's made to, be, made to be found on your own. I don't think it can be made in isolation. And so, yeah, I, I raise that to say, like, and and what what I think is amazing there is something I know you want to talk about, dude. I don't mean to thrust this in into this, but like that section of my life, or that part of my life that ended up being like the drain, mm -hmm. it ended up being the thing I couldn't control, and that's the thing that you know that where that I think it's Leonard Cohen where the, the cracks is where the light got in. Mm -hmm. It wasn't actually my PD or my everything that I was doing right and things that were moving ahead in life that got me to a better acceptance of wholeness. It was the cracks. It mm -hmm. was the, the, the death. It was the, the loss and the wound mm -hmm. that is actually what opened me up to eldership and, and, and having the chance to reach out and inviting, like desperately calling for someone to say, I need help. Can you lead me through this? That's what, what, what actually led me into that. Not, not like 
following all the rules and having everything together that that stuff was was a part of life too but um yeah it was the wound it was the brokenness Mm -hmm. and i think that's what's so amazing about all this and i think what roar is getting at is it's like something that has to overcome you instead of you overcoming it yeah and uh you talked (laughs) <laughs> you hit like all the th- like three of the things I want to talk about, and then you popped in all these things. I love where this goes, um, but I think what's on my what's on my heart is what you're saying, and it's just the need. It's the need for guides. It's the need for someone to to walk with us through it, you know, and and and. Which is which is why I want to talk about Goodwill Hunting, <laughs> and we can talk about that now, um, because I think that this this movie was like it just it, it just paralleled so much of what I'm I'm seeing in this book, so much of what has been coming up as I read this book. Um, it's showing exactly what you're talking about, and. It's showing for me. It's showing the need for elders, and I thought it was. It's a great example of boys turning to boys to figure out everything in life, and it's it was showing how how our our need for eldership can be used against us, and. Um, so yeah, and so let's we'll just dive into it. And so the first thing about it that I thought of was it was really cool because there are two elders in the in the movie. You have Robin Williams' character who is the psychiatrist, and then you have the other guy who is the professor, right? And they're both these elders who notice something in Will, mm-hmm. right? The math professor notices how smart he is, and he wants to capitalize on that, mm-hmm. you know? And if you remember, Will is consistently pushing back against the professor, right? Mm -hmm. And he's pushing back because he sees that this this elder, this professor is using him for something. Mm -hmm. Yes, this professor sees how great he is. And yes, he can see what um, can be become of this and all of these great things, which is a direct metaphor for fathers, right? The father who wants to, who sees what, like, oh, my kid's good at this and this, or my kid's better at this than I was, and I want to live through this kid, right? Mm, yeah. And it's damaging. Yeah. Right? Um, <clears throat> but then it, then you have the Robin Williams character. Um who is the elder that we all need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in essence, I mean, he is he is the older version of Will. Mm. They both grew up in the same area. Yeah. They both had abusive fathers. Mm-hmm. But there's the... Th- I wonder if, like, what do you think the thing is that Will saw that allowed him to trust... Um, Robin Williams' character. Yeah, I mean, so glad you brought that movie up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's meaningful. 
and I'm assuming it's going to be meaningful to a lot of people who, mm-hmm. who are listening. Um, I think what he sees is like what his heart or his intuition sees. Because mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, that movie is about the struggle between the mind and the intellect versus the heart and the uh, mm-hmm. intuition. And he, he can't, he, it's like you, you can have everything on the outside, which is kind of like the intellect, the mind, mm-hmm. and, and have a certain uh, bombastic ego, like I'm the man, I'm the alpha mm-hmm. male, um, in your field or in your craft, without with with having like a very shattered and and putrid inside, and um, and completely losing touch with where you've come from and your heart and completely Mm -hmm. disconnected from the brokenness and even trauma from that which you come. And I think Robin Williams' character just won't let him. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, we got to go there. You know, and he's a therapist and that's what he does. But it's more than that. It's more than just a therapy. Mm -hmm. It's a mentor. It's an elder. It's like, we're going to go there. You know, and there's that scene that we were talking about. It's not your fault. Mm -hmm. Hey, don't mess with me, man. No, no. Hey, Will, look at me. It's not your fault. And, and the scene going over and over. For those who haven't seen who the scene you're talking about, for those who might not have seen the movie or haven't seen it in a while, it's it's when uh, Robin Williams had looked at his um, he was looking at pictures of the uh, police report or something from from his past yeah, and yeah. where his father had beat him, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. And that's what he's saying. It's not your fault. Yeah, and I think more than just his father beating him, it's his whole existence being mm-hmm. built upon uh, his like anti-father, everything yeah. to get mm-hmm. away from his father, and and then the the mm-hmm. the abuse was like the climax of that, but it's like the whole thing, yeah, it's yeah. Like fault. And so, yeah, will will breaks down in that moment, and they they embrace, and it's extremely moving because mm-hmm. it's you're like brought right into the scene, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because. Because the whole time, he's like, no, I know it's not my fault. I know it's not my fault. And then Robin Williams won't let him stop. Yep. Won't let him stop there. And see, that's that's what Roar talks about a lot with these elders in these tribes and this Eastern philosophies is, like, Will is deflecting because mm-hmm. that's what we want to do. Yep. But in order for us to grow, in order for us to to move past or in order for, for these kids to become the males that were needed for these tribes, they had to look at, they had to look it in the eye. Yeah. And something, and it, you know, it's also like something had to die in these moments. Yeah. In order for people to move, for them to move on, for them to, to get through this. Yeah. Yeah, man. And he, he even says like it, he even says, "No, no, not you. Don't. No, I'm not going to say yeah, the word. Don't, you, don't yeah. mess with me. Not you. Mm-hmm. Like as if he's mm-hmm. saying that you're the one person I can trust. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. you. Don't yep. you mess with me like that? Because everyone manipulates in, in his life, toys uh-huh. with him. Even the math professor. Right? It's all about yep. manipulation. Mm-hmm. Not you. And he's he just keeps saying, Will, mm-hmm. look at me, son. It's not your fault. Mm-hmm. And he kind of finally gets there, but it's not." Obviously, it doesn't happen like that. Like in just that moment, it's it's the long, it's the long 
uh, returning of their relationship where the Robin Williams character, which I can't remember his name, proves to proves to Will over and over that he's going to be there through it all. That he's there for him. Mm-hmm. He's not there to capitalize on him, like you said, or manipulate him. There's not, you know, there's not that sense that you're going to be used and it's going to turn on you. And I think a lot of us, like if you've had a mentor like that, there's that in the back mm-hmm. of your mind that belief. Oh, you're just using me for your own professional advantage or your own kind of yeah, like, and and twisted need. And I think there was a trust in that because the professor wanted to be with Will to get something out of him. And Robin Williams is his he wanted Will to get through this just to get through this. Yeah. He's you know, you had to go. You know, he knew that he had to leave. Yeah. That's what he did as a kid. You know, that and and it it, it like that's that's the the longing that we all need. That's the longing that we all have for the people yeah. to to help us go through it. And it's really cool cuz cuz you were talking about like the destructive habits that we do that we develop when we're searching for something, we fill it. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's all like they were turning to whatever was around them and all that was around them were just other boys. Mm-hmm. And they were doing what they thought they should do. Like there's that scene when they were trying to stand up for someone, so they beat the crap out of that guy in the basketball court. Because that's what you do is chest puffing, like who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Where did all that behavior lead them? Nothing but just like, well, it landed him in jail, you know, which led him to getting into where it was. But but they were all searching and they didn't know what they were they were just doing what they could. You know yeah. what they thought they should. Yeah, and it need you know they need they he needed an elder to show him the way. Yeah, man. you know. I agree. And I thought like that scene that we were just talking to was powerful, but I think the turning point was on the bench, and I think everyone knows the bench scene. I wrote down most of <laughs> most of what he said. <laughs> But, you, got, you got to say it in a Boston accent. Well, no, I can't. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try it. But but you know, it's the bench scene, and it's after this quintessential, or not quintessential. I don't know. But it's that scene when when Will is doing exactly what what we all do in these moments, or not these. But when anything gets emotional for a guy, we make a joke out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And he's joking and he's deflecting and all of that stuff. And so it's like, it's, it's a total guy thing to diffuse the emotion and the tension with a joke. Or like sometimes with friends you would hear like no homo or stuff like that because we can't be emotional, we can't get real, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so he goes to the bench, right? And he's like, <laughs> he said, um, I had trouble sleeping after our after our first meeting, but then I thought of something and I fell into the best sleep of my life. <laughs> he said he said he said something to the effect of I don't you know everyone sees in you this like smarts, but I see a cocky, scared, shitless little kid. Mm-hmm. You know, which is what nobody was really saying to him. Yeah. Um and he and like what what Will's doing in his life is because of his photographic memory, he's read all of these books um, mm, <clears throat> that makes yeah. him think that he's, you know, super smart. He, you know, and it's gotten him so far. But he says, 
there's this he says you're an orphan right do you think i'd know the first thing about how hard your life has been how you feel who you are because i read oliver twist Hmm. does that encapsulate you Hmm. no one could possibly understand the depths of you um and it's just this moment where it's like he's telling him exactly what he needs to hear he's showing him that knowledge doesn't equal wisdom yeah dang you know because the knowledge got will kind of far yeah but then it was it was only leading him you know he he was you know he was at his, his the last i think it was almost it was like the last rope you know yeah and um yeah it's just as like I don't know. No yeah. one could possibly understand the depths of you, and he's showing him. Uh, you know, he's telling yeah. him, "I'm here. I'll try." He's opening. He's kind of leaving the door open, which I don't think most people have done, because he's doing the opposite, right? Yeah. Because every other therapist before, w- once Will attacks, they just say, "No, I'm done." Yeah. Which is what we need our elders to do as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We just need him to stay. Well, I think, yeah, I think uh, there's so many things my mind's going mm-hmm. to. Like what we, we referenced this before we started recording the Tao Te Ching, and there's this thing in the Tao Te Ching that says, to attain knowledge, add something every day. Mm-hmm. To attain wisdom, lose something every day. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like two different paths. Like the, the knowledge, the, the exterior posturing in the ego just add stuff and, mm-hmm. and make it grow and grow but to get to the depths of what really matters you gotta lose mm-hmm. you gotta lose you gotta become nothing you gotta go nowhere you yeah. gotta lose yourself to find yourself I mean that all the great traditions say something like that none, none, none of them have an exclusive truth of that they all say that mm-hmm. and I think there's something there bro um, number one I wonder, we struggle so much, like as, as males now, like giving ourselves to these traditions, because there's so much baggage and they've mm-hmm. been they've been used for, uh, so many isms, racism, sexism, um, and so many bad things, right? Um, they've been used as a tool for violence and death and and exclusivism, but. There's so much wisdom there, and there's so much that that can be a tool for our initiation. That, that could, not not a tool for our initiation. That could be a path for us to to get to those deeper heart places where we can't get to just by attaining things, by learning things, mm-hmm. by degrees, by accolades, by big ass pecs, and you know um, all that. All that stuff at the end of the day passes away. So the other thing that I was thinking about, how much of what we're talking about all involves intimacy. You giving yourself mm-hmm. over and opening to intimacy. Now, that's like playing with fire because we've all experienced probably bad intimacy. Mm-hmm. Maybe we've gotten hurt or we've been manipulated or used. But there is no initiation without intimacy. Mm-hmm. And intimacy is a lack of control. Intimacy is acknowledgement of death. I mean, there's lots of kinds of intimacy. There's intellectual, there's physical, there's 
you know, um, emotional and spiritual. Yeah. But I, I, I find that to be interesting. And think about like our our friendships that really matter, they aren't built upon facts and knowledge. Those are fun and those are important. There's a place for those. But the ones that really matter go to those depths because of intimacy. And, and trust and intimacy are, I don't think they're the same thing, but they're definitely like... Mm-hmm. You can't have intimacy without trust, and you can't have trust without intimacy, and you can't have initiation without either. We can't have intimacy without hurt either. Yeah, and I think that's why we don't often mm-hmm. choose it. And I think it's important we don't often choose it. Not everyone mm-hmm. deserves our intimacy. And uh, that's there's only a few people that are, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a very rare and special thing, and it has something to do with the pathway well, that we're talking about. Yeah, and I think... I think elders and people that are older us older than us know that like life you can't have a full life without some sort of pain. You know, that's what I mean by hurt. Like these these what am I trying like real love with someone will ultimately hurt you. Because you're opening the door for someone and you're giving all of yourself to this person. And so, of course, they're going to do things that are going to hurt you. Yeah. Which does sound counterintuitive. Or maybe not that. Let me backtrack. It's not so much that they hurt you. It's that, I don't know, like, the people that I'm closest with are people that I have let in in the worst of times. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say people that you're closest with the people you've let in in the worst of times like the people that were there with my death of my father or a broken heart Mm -hmm. like you get that intimacy and and life gets deeper through those painful times yeah through the suffering and it's worth it which is what he's taught what's what robin williams character talks about you know because his wife died of cancer Mm -hmm. but he still tells him all the time that he wouldn't take anything back Mm -hmm. it was still worth it yeah. And that's a that's like a real intimacy. That's a real that's a real love. That's the real I don't know, understanding of life. Yeah. Um an understanding of life. An understanding of life. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Dude, I like that a lot because it seems like so much of the upbringing so far. I just hit 40 and 41. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few months past 41. What's the a, little, a month past 41 and mm-hmm. so much of the first half of my life was god as i see it now like recognizing how much of a misunderstanding of life mm-hmm. and reality i've had which is all part of the journey it's not a self-criticism or Mm-mm. self-deflation it's just you only part, know what you know yeah it's all part of the first half and it's also not mm-hmm. to say that now i do understand but it's to say gosh i really had it i really had some illusions and i still mm-hmm. have some illusions and I really want to live in reality. I really want to have, and I I've come to see that I can, just can't do it on my own, mm-hmm. and I can't do it if I'm going to stay resentful and 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 bitter. Those things have to go. I had I have to find a way to connect to the brokenness inside if I'm going to get there. You know, into the wound, into the loss, like you said. And I, I think an understanding of life is really key there, man, because. Because I think that, well, yeah. well, elders, elders have always shown me, and the ones that have been, I've counted myself lucky. There have been three or four 
older men in my life that have that have helped me but life is meant to be lived life is meant to be taking chances life is meant to be like through it not around it it's through it yeah you know yeah and like that's what i think robin is williams character is trying to tell will is that no like you are a cocky scared shitless kid you're afraid to step out yeah. You know you're smart, but you also know you could be hurt. You also know you can fail. And so it's easier to stay here in the South Boston. And yeah. he could probably have a fine life. But he's also saying there's so much more out there. He knows it because he's lived it. He's like saying things like, you know, you know all this is painting, but you know, do you know what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel? <laughs> like those are things like, yeah. like, and I think we intellectualize so much. And when you, there's nothing wrong with being smart. There's nothing wrong with gaining knowledge, but it is only a small part of this bigger thing that he's trying to impart on Will, you know? Yeah. And, you know, yeah, man. it's just like, and we need it because all, all we're left with without elders are just caricatures. Yeah, so how do you open yourself up to receive eldership? Because um, <laughs> you can't just like go to someone and say, hey, will you be my elder? It doesn't really work that way. Like, what do you do? I mean, I I don't know. I grew up, you know, growing up in a church, they were there. Yeah. I, I got lucky. There were, yeah, there was a lot, of, a lot of uninitiated male eldership there, but there, I don't know if you call it eldership, uh, uninitiated mm-hmm. masculinity there. But there was there was always people on a few on the fringe who were who had transcended, and who had mm-hmm. kind of moved into wholeness or were on their way towards it, right? Yeah, I think you know honestly, like personally, I just reached out to a guy and said, "Hey, I want to get coffee with you." He's about ten years older than me. Nothing weird. I just seeked. I just sought it out. Um. Mm-hmm. I think what we're saying is how do we do it? I think it, the lack of it is what's the problem. Yeah. You know, I think maybe it's just starting mm-hmm. to talk with each other. I don't know. I have that feeling of like putting the energy out of what you want will bring what you need. Yeah. Kind of thing. And the purity of, of intention. So there. just starting to have conversations. I think things like yeah. this. Yeah. Start it. Opening up a space. Yeah. Or opening up your heart to, it sounds weird, I'm going to say it, but to receive it. I don't know. weird at all. I kind of wonder, bro, like you just said, like the guy that you mentioned who's 10 years older than you, mm-hmm. I have I, I have no uh, plan of what I'm going to say here. I, I come to this question with no like ulterior answer or motive, but I kind of wonder if maybe part of that way forward is the way, is like you, you giving it. What if there was like a 20-something or 30-something in your life mm-hmm. that you can kind of draw close to in a not totally non-manipulative, purely good way and just to kind of like become friends, become closer friends than you are, mm-hmm. to get into their world and to seek to be willing to go to the vulnerable spaces and um, not to save anybody, like not that, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah just to be open to to having that kind of um to being the thing that we seek well i think that's the answer i think we found it we have to be the thing that we seek we have to be that 
you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think if we do that, there it will naturally probably come to us that the older person will probably show up if they're not already there. Yeah, well. I think it, it starts with us being able to not be afraid of these kind of conversations. I think men men need to to not fear emotions, whether and and it's almost like we fear like we we fear if I start, then I can't stop. Like if I let a little bit of my emotions out, then before I know it, I'm. I can't stop and I'm just going to be emotional all the time. Yeah. Like it's like a, it's a faucet that'll never turn off. Yeah. You know, and I think emotions equal femininity for a lot of ways. And I think that's the narrow path that we talked about the narrow way, like that binary. Um, but we're afraid to talk about stuff. We're afraid to, to open up. We're afraid that, yeah, it's just we fear it because we're not taught to to be okay with it. We're taught to shut it down. We're taught to to um, suffer in silence. We're taught that no, you just keep going forward. Eventually, it might work out. You know, yeah. this is what life is. Yeah. You know, those are conversations and things that you hear and and people and. Yeah. But I think all we're doing is running around, like little boys puffing our chests out and being destructive yeah to ourselves and to others and to our families i know that's yeah. that's a lot <laughs> that sounds pretty intense but but because we haven't we haven't had eldership we haven't had a chance to do to sit with these truths or talk about it or be initiated or or any of it you know and yeah. We've been hurt by people that are older than us, or we've been, you know, we've been made fun of, or we've been, you know, we carry all of this trauma around with us. Yeah, one of my, one of my problems, if I could just be so bold, is to say that I have this character of boomers. Character big, of what? Big lightning that hits it. This character of boomers, mm-hmm. like the boomers in my life, that they're just, they're just out of touch. They're just wrapped in their own greed, mm-hmm. their own selfishness, and they're kind of removed from the real, from reality, from the understanding of what life is. And that's so freaking my problem, not mm-hmm. theirs, because actually a lot of the boomers that I know are not like that. Um, I do that to, like in the, in the form of will hunt, good will hunting, to avoid having to deal with my own it's some some psychological buffer yeah to not deal with my own pain and suffering I, I i i scapegoat i put it on them in reality if i was to say yeah these these men i know who are boomers and older are contradicted they're wrapped in the, the cultural octopus tentacles just like me that are mm-hmm. telling them that competition is the way and that comparison is the way and that consumerism is the way they're they're wrapped in all that stuff just like me and i'm trying to find my way through that because i know all that stuff is so provocatively powerful as a part of what it means to be alive today and i know that's so surface level it's not the depths of wisdom and i'm trying to get there and they are too um and i kind of wonder if i was just to be like let me just switch that 
and open myself up to relationship more instead of being cynical about them and being resentful of them mm-hmm. and kind of stopping the stereotype and, and seeing that that's my problem. It says more about me. It's like a mirror than it does about them. You know, I really think that that can make my life better and it could it could make those relationships better and it could it could yeah. open me up to mm-hmm. more of that leadership and more of that formation that I'm seeking that we're all seeking. Well, all you end up doing that is is building yourself a little island to be on by yourself. Yeah. You're right. Cuz I do that. I do that all the time. Um I do that. <laughs> I do that with everybody in my freaking neighborhood because I live in a neighborhood of people that uh, are higher on the socio or higher on the economic level than I was growing up. And so I view all of them as, you know, uppity assholes and I have to live with them. And my wife has helped me to see that, you know, all I'm doing is it, they're not doing anything to me really. I'm just putting my trauma on them. I'm putting my frustrations on them like you're doing with the boomers and cutting myself off to who knows wonderful relationships. Yeah. And and I think that that we we get so caught up in our own shit um and we we've it's like we're looking in the present through the lens of the past, you know? Yeah. Yes. And um yes. I think so there there's there's levels of that that we need and there's also I mean we're not the western culture is like old as bad right yeah uh-huh progress yes. you youth know is, new, youth shiny is better and I think yeah we reject the old which is mhm only going to lead to our downfall because because people no matter what if if they're older than you then they're ahead of you and they've seen more than you and you probably have something that you can learn from them Mm -hmm. and we have to we have to be humble enough to understand that but um yeah so yeah i mean we need elders in our life yeah, <laughs> I think if, if there's a thing, I, I almost feel like we could stop here, but I don't want to because yeah, I really want to dig into some of this because I think the truths and things, but like, because in, in the book, he consistently talks about needs for elders. I mean, it comes up with everything. Yeah. It comes up in all, all the chapters. Yeah. Um, but but it's like some of these questions that I wrote down, I think an elder would be able to help me more. Not that we can't help each other or that like we're idiots, but there's this quote where it says in, in page 67, he says, learning that you are not in control situates you correctly in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, what? What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I think listening to someone, I think as an elder would be able to help you see that. Yeah. Like... Which I think, you know, we could figure that. Like, what does that mean to you? Like, the idea that learning that you are not in control situates you correctly in the universe. Well, that's a multi-level... It's a multi-level embrace of that. Because you you can answer that on a spiritual level and be like, yeah, I'm not in control. And it's... I surrender myself to... Uh to let go, you know, and you can leave it there, but really Mm -hmm. it's not, 
that's kind of what we've tried to do with our religious technologies is leave it there instead of letting it become permeating through everything. Because as Richard Rohr says in everything he writes, how you do anything is how you do, do everything. everything. Mm-hmm. And so you can, you can leave it there. But I think really what's powerful is say like in relationships, in, in, in my life, like universally, cosmically speaking, like I really am not in control. I'm, I'm a blip on the radar of history. I'm but a, but a breath as it says in, in, uh, Ecclesiastes, like, mm-hmm. my life is here today, gone tomorrow. Your life is a mist. My life is a mist, and and I think that um, there's nothing new under the sun, and that includes me. Like I have f- spent forty years forming the non-reality that I'm like this, and I think as a millennial, all all the accolades and all the kind of false awards have told me I'm this unique, special, one of a kind individual. And those things were helpful to forming like a healthy me, to so speak. But I think we've taken it uh, like all the way to the point where like, oh well, yeah, I'm above. I'm above everyone, especially as like a white male. I'm above. Mm-hmm. And the reality that comes through that just knocks that off its off its knees is you're not in control. You're not that. Uh, you're not that important. Mm-hmm. And I like his other side that you're significant, but you're not special. Yeah. You know, you are not in control. You are deeply loved. You're beloved, but you're not in control. Like you you can't have you can't have that sucker punch without the healing wound, the healing of the wound too. And so I think that's kind of what I was going to ask you too is like why do we even talk about this? Because it's all sounds so despairing. Like what's on the other side? And I think that's what we're going to get to as we conclude this series eventually, uh, which we don't need to rush. But why would one even undertake this? Like accepting that you're going to die, you're not in control, you're not important, you're not you're not special. And I think part of it is undoing a lot of what has been we've been given growing up mm-hmm. in this culture. And I think that's yeah. So if if you're not in control and situating your life in in that, you can be present. You can be in the present moment. You can let go because. You're not in control of what happens next. You're not in control of the other person you're you're with. You're not in control of so much, and that that is so humiliating that it brings a humility. Like, if I'm not in control, yeah. maybe I can just be right here, right now, with you, and I don't have to be solving and analyzing and um, and acting like I am in control. Maybe I can just be right here. And maybe the more I believe that, the more I can do that, the more present I can be. Mm -hmm. And you find such peace in that, the deeper you get into that, I think. I think we would all attest to that. It's like you can play, you can find joy. It's not Mm -hmm. despairing to realize that you're not in control. It's, it's It's like being reborn. It's like I can play in that. I can... I can connect to my true self mm-hmm. in that. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe I'm being nope going too far. But. Well, I wrote down. You said presence, and I thought that was that was that's the key word in this. Well, I see. Just think about someone who, because I think of someone who's trying to control everything. I think about like always trying to get a hundred percent on every test, or someone who's working their whole life to to save up for retirement, right? Or to have all their finances in order or to constantly be um, 
scrutinizing every little penny that they spend or they use um, to try to control all of that, right? And you think about the people in 2008 who spent their entire life trying to control and have this life and they're ready to retire in 2008. Some assholes, you know, in the, you know, housing market lost everything for everyone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think what that says is it doesn't say that like saving and working hard is wrong. It's just you can't focus on that can't be all of it. Yeah. Because life isn't that. Life is all of these other things. Mm-hmm. And it's through the other things that we get the presence, we get the joy, we get this beautiful understanding and 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 living this this life. Um Yeah. But I think that it's, you know, like I mean, I I <laughs> knowing that I'm not in control is what I think about every day. Really? Oh my God. I think about it all the time. Like you, you you fester over it or sometimes I think you could call it fester. Um, and I, and I watch and it's, it, it only got worse. It only got worse when I became a father like I stay up all the time knowing that this beautiful little thing that's sleeping right now could be taken away at any second and there's nothing yeah, I can do about that, it. That is true. There's something about having kids that really shows you your your litmus test of how much control you're desiring. But it brings me to presence. Hmm. Come on, man. And that's why we need to be faced with our death. What does presence feel like? Presence feels, I don't know, Rob Bell calls it the hum. You feel that hum? To me, presence is the majesty in nothing. It's understanding that, like, I've been brought to tears just sitting with, sitting in my living room and just hanging out with, my wife and kid because and you can't put words to it it's just we're doing these simple little tasks but there's there's such a beauty in just the stupid little mundane things you know yeah i think we focus too much on trying to control it and making it what we think it should be instead of just enjoying what we have now and i think these two truths of that I mean it's like God it's that but you just you get presence that's all I want to keep saying it just brings you to the moment and that's what I think we need more of yeah I, I agree you know and, and I think it's it's kind of I'm thinking of what's we're looking what we're looking for is has been right there the whole time mm-hmm. it's not complicated or it's not it doesn't cost anything you don't have to go buy it mm-hmm. or invest to find it or finance to get it mm-hmm. <laughs> and i just i just feel like there's this whole separate economy that where my daughter and i are watching stranger things she's 12 and she's like really into the 90s and so i'm like mm-hmm. trying to find a way into her world because i'm feeling as every month goes by her world grows farther apart from me and she got into the 90s for her birthday, and I was like, oh, yes, okay, Stranger Things. 
and we're watching it like I'll probably go home the night late and we'll watch one because it's summertime and stay up late and it's just great I just love it but there's that, that whole underworld and the above world thing you know like mm-hmm. in, in, Stranger, in Stranger Things the underworld is not like it's terrible but um, it's like there's a there's this other world just outside of our reality and that's where all this goodness lies and it's it's designed to be that way from something much greater than us whatever everyone's beliefs are I guess mm-hmm. that's depending on where if you can go with me here but because we can't manipulate it we didn't create it we can't finance it we can't commodify it and we, mm-hmm. we damn well would if we could because we'll commodify everything yeah but we can't commodify wisdom we can't commodify presence we try yeah. to but it's it has to be you have to let go to get to it mm-hmm. you know but all we're trying to do is there's like I'm I'm staring at like 14 quotes I want from this book that I want to talk about right now. And it's, it all just kind of comes to this point of like, men are trying to overcome death is what he's saying. Like it's, it's a thing like we, he wrote this, he wrote like we, It's like it's a it's it's a man thing to avoid to not avoid death but to it's like you're going to overcome it somehow right and um he talks about like and and how they how they're doing that it's like we're always trying to be famous strong significant remembered smart or super religious like those are the things that will overcome death because if we do that if we're famous strong significant remembered smart super religious then it's what it is we're remembered you know we we leave a legacy yeah. right and so we're so focused on yeah. that and i think that that's almost like in our dna yeah cuz that's what our ancestors were doing right they were they were battling they were fighting they were doing this i think there's something about that 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 comes that 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 we're you know as men are, are are dealing with it's like we're wanting to be remembered. Yeah, I certainly don't think it's just a masculine thing. Um, but I, I yeah, we're not exclusive. We don't have an exclusive mm-hmm. hold on that. But that really resonates with me. Like thinking about which of those I've really tried to to do, and you can have a nobility with a few of them that other ones you can't. Like to be very religious, mm-hmm. like. But it's all—it's all really just a, a guise to be remembered. Yeah, um, and we get so focused on that that we forget about the presence of what it is now. Yeah, you know, it's um. Yeah. He wrote that our the goal is always elsewhere, anywhere but here. Yeah, that's one of the things I really like about like the Buddhist tradition, and I'm I I don't know enough about it or others to really talk about it much, but I will say like the reincarnation, like you're coming back. <clears throat> And you're a part of the whole. Like mm-hmm. there's this great ocean and you're just a drop of water from it. You're going to return to it and you'll come back. And what, and the way you live now, the way, the quality of the character of who you are, it'll, it'll have something to do. It'll, it'll have some relationship with who you become next. Yeah. In the next mm-hmm. iteration. And there's something really beautiful about that despite like if, if, if you could just like let yourself go from trying to analyze it too much or trying to like, do I believe that or not? Or, uh, um, it, it's more like 
you know who you are is a part of is one element of the whole like you're a drop of water mm -hmm. that came from the great source and you'll return to it you're not separate from it and everything a lot of the things we do is to try to believe that we are separate from it um, because that's what makes us remembered and yeah. leaving, a leaving a legacy but like what happens if we have a culture that could actually believe the opposite like mm -hmm. the reality is that you don't need to be separate like you don't need to be remembered um you, you know, you, you need to be like, try to be present and see what happens there. Mm -hmm. What would happen to a bunch of like little boys and girls who, who no longer believed the, the myths about needing to have like a big, great big profession and become known and have a legacy and be known and be famous. And well, what would happen if they just stopped buying into that? It'd be, it'd be provocative. Cause it would be, it'd be like a whole new s system would be a whole system would be undone, you know? And that's really a captivating idea. Like, mm -hmm. what what would it be like to, to help raise kids in that? And first, you can't raise kids like that unless you 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 experience it your own in yourself. Like, it, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's what what we're getting at here. You you know, that's kind of what some of the things that are on the other side of of embracing the fact that you're not in control, you're not special, you're you're gonna die. Well, yeah, and he talks about we you know we have this longing and this nostalgia for these like heroic dramas, you know, like these heroic projects, you know, movies we think about, like I thought about Troy, you know, where like Brad Pitt, you know, Achilles is he's, he goes to fight because he wants to be remembered. Like this is how you remembered it. And it's like ingrained in men <clears throat> for those type of things. Um, but because it the in these in these heroic dramas it's like that's where these guys they stare down death right they come out the other side they beat it right they survived and we long for that there's a nostalgia where we romanticize those things it's like that's what's ingrained in us right but he says it it, it could be probably he says it's probably inspired from a fear that right now is never going to be sufficient mm -hmm. the right now is never going <clears> to <throat> be enough and I think we're fighting, I think we're fighting that sort of, I mean, that's what we did hundreds and thousands of years ago. We went out and did this stuff. We went out and fought the beast or fought the, the evil tyrant king. Yeah. And then we came home or we didn't. But when we came home, it's like, that's, yeah, you know, and it's almost like, it, but it's that fear, like the right now isn't enough. The right now isn't enough, so we've got to yeah. go somewhere else to get it. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. Yeah. Because it, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong that we we go out. I went out. I left. <laughs> I left. I left and found something new. You know, but but I but I think it, it's that. Are we leaving because we're not satisfied? But then is, isn't that kind of like, do we want to settle? I mean, it's, it's just, it's a struggle yeah, for me. It, it's it, like, it where's, where's, where's the balance in that, you know? Well, I, I'm, I'm reminded, I'm thinking of a couple of things. Like I think of the, sh the play Hamilton. <laughs> have you mm -hmm. seen that? Yes. Alexander mm -hmm. Hamilton, like, everything about him is he wants to have a name for himself. He, yeah. That uh -huh. whole thing. You'll never be satisfied. Um, and uh, but I also think about the Jewish cycle of like the uh, the Sabbath on a weekly basis, and then the Jubilee year every mm -hmm. I think it's every seventy years, mm -hmm. 
where they lay the fields fallow and they, they forgive debts and they, they do a massive redistribution of wealth um, where they stop. They stop. Stop mm-hmm. production because it was also rec- a, re- a, a remembering of what it was like in slavery under Pharaoh's rule where all they did was produce. Their very existence from very break of sunrise to the very setting of sun was produced more and more bricks. And Sabbath is all about bread. Mm-hmm. It's like bricks to bread. And the bread is, is like, is, um, I'm stealing from Walter Brueggemann here. This is not my stuff, but like the bread, the Sabbath is like, it is a massive resistance to the culture of more production. And quite honestly, bro, I don't think any of us are going to get there until we stop. Mm-hmm. Until we cease this endless, maniacal, psychotic cycle that we are in. Until, like, there's no addict who's going to get whole and recover until they recognize that they're addicts. Very few of us are acknowledging that. We are, we are freaking just shoving ourselves with the pills of, of this cultural time we're in. And I, I don't mean to be all dark and stark, but I really think there's truth to it. Like, we're not going to get to that which we're talking about, which we seek, until we have that reckoning and, and break that denial. That the life that we're all, like, we're just kind of numbing ourselves to, and we're just all moving towards, it's totally unsustainable. Yeah. I mean, it's no longer a myth. It's no longer, like, something we can deny and put aside. I mean, it's the, the earth is crying out for us to recognize that you have to stop. We have to find a new way. And, and I think it's just weird, bro, you and me meeting our lives in this time, and, and we don't have to get into it here. We can talk about it later. But we're, we're having to do that in our lives halfway through. Mm-hmm. We have to stop because we're recognizing that what, what we've been doing isn't working and it's leading to a psychotic break. And it's leading to like not the, not the kind of person we want to become, you know, and so we stop and, and it sucks because a lot of a lot of our culture doesn't doesn't have room for that. It's like thinks that we're kind of crazy or weird for that or we're broken for that. And perhaps, well, of course we are like we're all those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But so is yeah. everyone else. <laughs> so I don't mean to make that like a pity mm-hmm. party or too personal there, but like I just don't think they're separate issues. I think that it's we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, I think that I was reading about the um just the idea of enough and with regards to the creation story. And that, you know, in it, it's a revolutionary thing to have a God who rests. Yeah. You know, and that's what, what's coming up. And I think knowing you're going to die brings you back to the here and now. And it helps you to celebrate what you have. Because I don't think there's there's anything wrong with going out and trying to like, you know, stake your claim. That's, that's cool. Take a chance, go after it. Will needed to do it. Will hunting needed to do it. But I think being faced with knowing it's like that, that song, if we were vampires by Jason Isabel that we listened to before we started, where it says, where he talks about knowing that this can't go on forever. 
you know, in the song, if, if you guys have a minute or listeners or whatever, if you can just listen to If We Were Vampires, because it's basically this guy talking about, I mean, it's a beautiful song about love and basically like, you know, knowing, knowing it can't go on forever and it says time running out as a gift but what it was was there's this one specific line in it where he says if death was a joke i wouldn't feel the need to hold your hand and i think what he's saying in that is if knowing was forever then i wouldn't do the things that we i would do in a relationship right i wouldn't hold your hand i wouldn't look at you i wouldn't do what i needed to do or spend every moment with you and it's like we need to know that like not in a not in this like woe is me we're gonna die but just we've got to stop at some points we have to have a healthy understanding of that because we're going to miss i think we miss everything yeah because there's two ways to approach this and i think you know there's an uninitiated is if you're not in control and you're going to die just quit trying right and I don't think that's what he's what any of any elder or any of these people were saying. No, it's just you no. just need to know like there's a part of this that's going on. It's it's magical, it's mysterious and it's going to feel like death at first. Yeah, it will, or but like a loss. But it's like I don't know. It's like when my dad died, I, I it just it shifted things, hmm. you know, and then when my my cousin, my, my grandfather died, and then two years later, my dad died, and then a year and a half after that, my cousin committed suicide, mm-hmm. and a cousin I was really close with, and it just it just shifts things, and it and and it and I think what all of Maybe if if I'm coming up with a book and it just kind of like, it deepens my understanding of life and shows me that like, the stuff that matters are none of the things that we're chasing. Mm -hmm. You know, the stuff that matters is taking your kid to the pool and watching and chasing him in a lazy river for 20 minutes. Or like sitting with your wife and holding her hand on the beach at a sunset or just... Yeah, man. Because it's like, those are the things that... I think those are the things that we should be chasing. It's the depth. The depth of life is what we need. Yeah. Not not trying to force it into yeah. what we think it should be, right? Not like chasing caricatures, but like chasing true wisdom, chasing the the things that point us to those parts of life that are yeah everything and nothing i think when you say chasing true wisdom i think it's kind of like an oxymoron because i think to chase true wisdom you often have to feel often is more like stopping everything and and befriending solitude befriending mm-hmm. stillness be still and know that i am god you know mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's odd because you befriend those things and they become such deep companions to you. And it's like slowly by slowly wisdom finds you, but not because you create it or because you want anything Mm -hmm. or 
because you achieved it. It's because it, it's like you stopped enough for it to find you. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I think about a guy that I met in college who was an older guy and I was about to graduate and he met with a couple of us and he, he, he said, here's what, what happened to me. Like, I had this mentor and he called me out to this field in Iowa and he sat down and I got there and I thought he was going to, I was in this really deep decision-making time I what to do with my life and I had some loss and he, he told me to meet me in this field and I got there and there was just two chairs, one for him, one for me and in, in the sunflower field. And we just, we just sat there and we sat there for about an hour and said, what are we doing? He's like, shh, stop talking. Just watch. And they said they sat there, they sat there for like 12 hours and he's like, what happened was the sunflowers eventually came over the 12 hours from away from them to point towards them. And at the end, he's like, did you see that? Did you, did you see it? It's talking about what you're, the same thing you're talking about. It's the depth. Like noticing these things that are right. Because I think the pathway that we're all seeking is right here. It's not somewhere far off. It's like right here. And the depth, the stillness, the silence, the solitude befriending those things on a daily basis is those are companions towards our wholeness and they're they're there to uh to befriend us in the midst of this crazy uh psycho world that is so noisy and so flippant and so manipulative you know those things are on the surface but like down down beneath it all there's like this really good this goodness to it all that's kind of waiting to befriend us. Um, I did. I did write a poem for our time today. Um, poetry is like one of those things for me that has become important, and and I would say that's an additional thing: stillness, silence, poetry. It's like those things go together. I'll, I kind of want to share it with you, if that's okay. Sure. So it has to do with your overall podcast uh, message and theme, but also like. You asked me to kind of reflect upon uh, you're not in control. And so it, it doesn't sp- explicitly revolve around that, but it, it's a part of it. So there's not a name for this poem. Um, and I appreciate you letting me do this because it feels kind of vulnerable um, to share this in this way. No, share away, um, man. Okay. Um, I found a pack of incense at the thrift store. The really good kind. The made by a guru in small batches in some Indian village kind. They burn for a good 60 minutes. Feathering laces of smoke trail trail into the air. And the smell. A warmth, sweetness, smokiness, a pleasant calmness. It's intoxicating. A smooth lavender sweetness balances out the smokiness of a fire. What was likely made for a sacred Buddhist or Hindu worship space somehow ended up at a thrift store in the U.S. for $4. And now it fills the space with grounded delight. I find myself longing for the smell in my house. Controlling or predicting where, when, and how our children's gift to the world, unfurling like sweet incense into the nostrils of their, of their maker, would be a foolish, sick, and putrid act. A grasp of control onto something ungraspable. A 
holiness lives within our children. That was something we didn't put there. The incense that makes it into the holiest of rooms is counterbalanced by an equally wonderful and unexplainable journey of the incense that arrives to the holy space called the Salvation Army Thrift Store. (laughs) The traumatized incense will burn just as sacredly as the most protected, maybe more in God's economy. So try to remove yourself from playing God and learn to play with God. Find the counterintuitive parenting path, the narrow, overgrown path in a culture of competition, scarcity, and comparison. Be the parent of humility, vulnerable courage, and gentle playfulness. And maybe someday you'll fall in love enough to bear witness to their soul on fire. Thanks for letting me share. I think that... That was cool, man. I really appreciate you sharing. That was beautiful. Yeah, thanks for letting me share, man. You know, I think that's kind of a a nice way to kind of to kind of end what we were talking about. You know, I think I love how <laughs> these always start with such a. I guess I have a path that I want to, or things I want to say, and that I always kind of like never. It doesn't really always, it doesn't end up the way I want to. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I think that kind of talks about the playfulness of life that we need. You know, I think if I could sum up what we were talking about, it's almost like this just became about we need elders in our life or we need to be the elders for the people that we can be. Yeah. You know, to be present to now, to understand we're not in control and we're not going to, and that we are going to die and to let that ground us in more presence in our life. I yeah. think if we could do that, yeah, it would be greater. And it, it it's great for us to do as men and as fathers to show that to our kids, you know, yeah. I think, and that kind of opens us up in a way for us to hopefully find elders in our life to help us too, you know? Yeah. You know, you talked about starting with someone younger. I mean, we have our kids. Yeah. That we can we can help show them this and things like that. But uh, I think we have our kids, but there's also something very special about someone ten years younger than you who's mm-hmm. not related to you. That's that's really yeah. been some mm-hmm. of the most powerful dynamics in our lives. Our fathers have been a significant guide, but there's been an unlocking from a male mm-hmm. that's not related to me that can also reach a very significant place. Yeah. Like Goodwill Hunting and, mm-hmm. and the therapist, you know. Um, and I think about people as they hear this, uh, like just precious people like us too, that like we know intuitively that there's a better way mm-hmm. and there's hope. Like we're finding it, these conversations, their people who are listening, their lives, so much joy i'm sure and so much goodness in their lives as well as the contradiction just like you and me and we're creating the world we want like one moment at a time you know yeah mm-hmm. and i think i would be i think for me to to wrap this up i do need to just talk about just really quickly the gratitude 
for the elders that have been in my life. I've had a wealth of elders. I was thinking about this yesterday as I was laying, trying to put my son to bed. I was, I was having a hypothetical pre. <laughs> I was talking in my old church. You ever done that? I was just fantasizing about what that would look like. And I was mentioning, I was thinking about elders. I've had upwards of 13 mm. like guys from, from teenager to adulthood that were helping me. And, and, and they're the reason that I can be who I am today mm. and stand in, in this power and stand in, in this life that I've created. And so I'm grateful to those men. Um, you don't, like, people don't see the power enough in yeah. having someone in your life that's not from your family to, sh- to, to, to show you that you've been seen and heard. And, and I think it's, it's something that should be valued more and sought out more, so... Yeah, and I really believe that the universe and the spirit is spirit is just silly and crazy and playful enough yeah. that if you're open to that, that person will <laughs> will probably show up, and yep. it's probably already there. But um. yep. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on, thank and talking. You. We will continue in the weeks to come more about this, and and I'm excited of where this is leading. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. If you didn't uh, agree, remember, I'm just a channel. I'm not the source. <laughs> Sounds like a, a great political answer. Yeah, I like that. So, Peace, everybody. Yeah, until next time. <laughs>